It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who has over a 1,000 Patreon subscribers, Nathan A. Clark. <laughs> Hello, Nathan. I have, like, I have 333, surely, and you make up the rest. Uh, yeah, uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you're the main attraction, if we're honest. But um, oh, yeah, thank you so much, everyone who's who subscribed. We we broke the thousand mark um, inside our first year on Patreon, which is just mind blowing, to be honest. It's incredible, uh, really incredible. Um, really, really appreciate it. Uh, keep giving us feedback on on what we're putting out. Hope you are enjoying it, and uh, and watch this space because watch this space because there's more to come. Um, before we before we talk football, and oh my gosh, there's so much football to talk. Huge congratulations to our friend and one of our ex subs, Tim, on the release of his band's LP, which is called On Letting Go. The band are called Big Bad. They are a punk rock band, and Tim wrote the album. It's out now on all streaming platforms. It's very good. Uh, we're going to stick the last track, the title track, um, at the end of the podcast hope you enjoy it and yeah it'd be great if people could support tim and his band big bad um there's been loads of patreon content this week including nathan's cuti romero video which has gone down very well um anything you want to say about that nathan well it will now because we've hit a thousand patrons be unlocked for Mm. for non-subs to to get a, a sample of what's going on behind the scenes nice uh, and so I guess I just I let the video speak for itself, basically. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's. Do you have any questions? <laughs> like, uh, well, I do. I have a question. I I found it really interesting. He he does seem to be. If we went back ten years, do you think he would have been a, a midfielder and not a defender? Mm, good question. Yeah, yeah, really good question. I, I think I think in the current football climate, he could have well developed as a defensive midfielder. I think he could be used as a defensive midfielder now. His um, his aggressiveness. I mean, I knew he was aggressive, but the bits we highlighted, it was just like Atalanta would just have their defenders, and then he was just a wrecking ball that they allowed just to swing into the middle of the pitch and yeah. almost coming from deep just to just to destroy things. It, I mean, I'm not sure. 
I got, I got nervous watching that because I'm not sure how he would work in a, in a back four, but it, it's an impressive skill to have. It's an impressive skill set. The thing, like he, so Atalanta press in a very man marking style, um, and so any time that there's like a number ten loose in between the lines, mm. his job is to to push up and go there. But like, it's not just that's the way that that team defend because it's also present in his Argentina games, and I haven't gone back and watched uh, Genoa games, but his statistics are remarkably similar so I imagine we're going to see something similar there I think that in the future I will do a second video looking at some of those older games maybe get uh, a guest on for help with that um, but yeah he's he's extreme um, the, the thing is he's really really good at doing that mm-hmm. um, like he's incredible at doing that but it's still enormously high risk so um, <laughs> yeah it's an interesting signing yeah, yeah. I mean I, the thing I would say is he's as we discovered in last week's podcast he's a very young player um, and I would say there's there's more developing to do and he's got a coach now who clearly has a as we saw against Man City and in the pre-season matches he's, he's got a way of playing um, a way of setting up defensively that I think will really help Romero and uh, find a middle ground essentially and I could imagine Romero slotting into the system we saw against Man City and and looking just fine um, I, I do think there will be lots of cards and it's something we've not really been used to seeing for Spurs we've not had a player that's got repeatedly sent off for a long time now so it's going to be a bit of a shock to the system uh, and also as Nathan points out in the video he often gets taken off in games because he's on a yellow and he's, he's doing risky things and we've not been used <sighs> yeah. to that either well uh, fortunately we we have mastered the market and bought uh, a high fouling defender right at the time where most fouls are no longer fouls and he's absolutely <laughs> destined to certainly become the greatest defender of all time because he can just do what he wants and plough three plays all the time now, so <laughs> good good news <laughs> love it um, in other content, Bardi, you released uh, a pre-season newsletter. Yeah, I mean, I know we're all keen to talk City, but I, it was nice to get back to write the newsletter. And in the opening introduction, I kind of thought about the journey that we've been on as Spurs fans. And I think this is kind of, we saw this at White Hart Lane on, on Sunday, that we are a more united fan base than we have been for ages. And it, it's the, the changes that have happened on the pitch, in the boardroom and in the stands as well. And players turning out to be snakes and the rest of it have really brought the fan base together. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I started the season with that. We're okay. We're united right now. We're we're one Tottenham. Nice. Uh, And finally, um, I published an article, which is an exclusive. uh, It's an interview with the sporting director, Patrick Werner of Degerfors, who's the Swedish team that Alfie Whiteman has joined. Um, Thank you, Dan, for help with the pronunciation. I hope I did okay on that. Uh, So Alfie Whiteman has gone out for his first loan ended up in the the top division in Sweden, and I had no idea how that might have happened. Uh, I looked up on their website some contact details, and the head of media relations email address was there. I emailed him. He emailed back like an hour later, (laughs) and before he knew it, I've sent him some questions, and he has helped their sporting director formulate answers it's really interesting um great stuff and so yeah that's that's the patreon behind the paywall as well um Bardi, very quickly you've yep. you've you sorted out some merch yeah well i've seen my photo pop up now a few times on on twitter and a few people using it and i i know some people have printed it and i just thought i just thought it needs people ask me for this photo and i know it's used on um 
screen on wallpaper. I sound like my dad there for a second on <laughs> on the background of people's phones and iPads and the rest of it. So I I have um, made it available for people to buy. You can have it as a a basic A4 print or a slightly bigger one. If you want it framed, you can have it framed. If you want to spend a little bit more, it's on canvases. There's all different price ranges to suit everybody's needs. I'd say I'm very proud of that photo. One of my biggest regrets in life will always be not being on the lower tier at the finale, getting on the pitch and touching the goalposts and the rest of it. But I like to think that by not being on the pitch, I was able to share a, a kind of moment in time with the rest of the Spurs community. Nice. Very nice. So that is uh, on our shop, extrainch.co.uk forward slash shop. Um, the other thing to say about that is we've also got various items of clothing, one of which was um, sent to Brian Edgecombe, who won our Euros Fantasy League. He, he won a hoodie. He chose a hoodie as his prize and he has said, you can quote me in a shop promo that it's super soft and comfortable. So there you go, Brian. I have quoted you. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you're happy with your uh, extra inch hoodie. Um, let's talk City because, oh my gosh, so much excitement, so much to talk about. Um, where do we start? Bardi, I think we'll start with you and the atmosphere and what it was like being back at the stadium. It was great to be back, Wendy. I've been kind of a bit down about the Premier League season starting and uh, various reasons, but it was it was an incredible place to be. It was a there was, was nice weather always helps, but people were in a good mood. People were just happy to be back at football. Um, I'm obviously going to put all COVID fears and the reasons and mix them all to one side and just talk about the atmosphere. And it was a very unified approach to the football. And as I mentioned in we'll talk about the newsletter. All the small things and the big sackings that have happened since April last year have kind of made us into this team, which we, we're we up against the odds this year. we got our star player wants to leave us and we're up against Man City, who can just spend £100 million on, <laughs> on a very average player, in my opinion. And it united us. And the way Spurs played with spirit and gusto, it was kind of harking back to early Pochettino days where we just seemed to have the legs on all our players and everybody was up for it. And there was a few youngsters who've come through the ranks, really proving themselves. And it, it just all lent towards being a really good atmosphere. And it, yeah, it was fantastic to be back. And the result kind of, um, the, the result was just icing on the cake. Mm. I was not surprised by the result at all. I, I really fancied us in this game. But even that said, it was it was a joy to watch. Oh my goodness. It was just nice to see us have some attacking intent and carry on attacking even after scoring. Um, Nathan, it wasn't all plain sailing. And I think City, certainly in the first 15 minutes, um, created some, some reasonable opportunities. How did you how do you sort of see it go tactically? Well, I missed some of the first 15 minutes, probably for the best by the sound of things. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was interesting. So um, we saw it in pre-season against Arsenal. And I do wonder how much we wanted to use that game as preparation for City. Um, but a really narrow front, like four-three-three, like properly, actually, as it were, written on paper. Yeah. Two lines of equal lines of three, narrow. Um, the idea is, I mean, like the thing with this, like it's inviting the pass to the winger, and I think that you could have used this exact same tactical setup, but if you had anyone other than Tanganga and Regulon, two <laughs> absolutely outstanding one v one defenders, that we would just be destroyed we'd be absolutely shredded if you think back to like Sane versus Trippier right mm. so the idea is that we we defend sort of uh, medium block or medium low um, two two 
sort of equal lines of three and just sort of fairly passively in the first half clog up the middle of the pitch, deny access into, you know, Grealish, um, who was the other number eight, uh, Gundogan, um, and, and make things really hard for Fernandinho uh, and just say, look, the pass is there to the fullback and the fullback has that pass there to the winger. That's what we want you to attack. And they mainly attack down the left and Sterling attacks Tanganga over and over and over and Tanganga won out like, I don't know, eight times out of ten. And when he didn't, Skip was in there to, to clean up and Ovia was in there to clean up and, and Davinson and Dyer were both fantastic and it's incredible what they might look like when they don't have to defend their own box for half <laughs> the game, you know. It's um so yeah, I I like I kinda wanna get distracted and start talking about Tanganga in, in more depth, but like really interesting tactical game plan. And then in the second half, um <clears throat> Uh, basically the same thing, but with a slightly more intensity, a slightly more aggression from the three midfielders mm-hmm. to push up to Fernandinho as he's receiving um, and make the turnovers there and, and then get the counters. And and we did. We got those counters. We, they weren't incredible. We weren't lethal with them. Obviously, you know, if Harry Kane's there, maybe it's different or maybe he's too slow and it's worse. Um, but a sun shot from wide and distance uh, on, uh, you know, it goes down notated as 0.01 expected goals, but we know <laughs> that sun just puts those away on a regular basis. Um, I, I, when I saw it, I thought, cause like the, the drama of the moment is there for me and the adrenaline is pumping and everything's in slow motion and sun hits that ball. And I'm thinking you've way over hit that pass to, to Delhi, uh, to Delhi. There's no way Delhi's going to get on that. <laughs> oh, he's in the net. <laughs> like, oh! Uh, so yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, it just shows that like there's, there's such a great, like there isn't a binary of like, being the attacking side and being the defending side, right? You can have less of the ball than City and you can still have an attacking game plan. You know, you can still look to have the game away. I'm sort of, I'm subtweeting Mourinho here and I I don't want that to be the focus, right? Because like, I'm just, I'm just really, like uh, for me, uh, this game was sort of like a, uh, a freebie, right? You know, Nuno's first game against the current champions, it's going to be whatever, um, as long as it isn't miserable, I was going to be happy, but it was it was fantastic. And it is funny that, like, through three managers as a club, we have Pep City's number a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going to echo that as well. I, I think this game was a freebie. Um, we were allowed to kind of play a, a style of football that suits us. There's a couple of red flags there. I'm, I'm a bit concerned about our ability in possession. I know City are really good at stopping teams in possession, but there was a few times we looked a little bit sloppy. But that, that starting 11 was perfect for this game plan. There was, there was legs, there was energy. Um, there wasn't quite the the coolness in front of goal from from the other two from Bergvine and, and Lucas, but they they both had great games. Um, and City played into our hands like they always seem to do at home. Absolutely, it, it was a freebie in in more ways than one. Um, freebie in the sense that he he didn't have to sort of try out a new tactical approach. Mm. He didn't have to try anything too expansive. He didn't have to do any sort of breaking down a low block. He didn't have to do too much actually because. In a sense, City played into our hands, so we were able to play the way that the majority of teams do play against Man City, which is you sit back and you wait for your, for your opportunities to counter. And I think he set up the team really beautifully to do that with, as narrow as Nathan says, the, uh, the narrow three in midfield and then also the very, very narrow three up front. Um, the benefit of that is that you know the ball's not going to come to them all that often, but when it does, they've got someone to bounce off almost immediately and the interplay between them... Although not always perfect, not always incisive, I thought it was really impressive. There's kind of a developing understanding there between Bergvine, Son and Lucas. 
we do need to talk about Lucas and we will do in detail because he's someone that gets a lot of criticism on this podcast um, but we need to sort of give him credit where it's absolutely due but um, go on buddy yeah I just I just want us to be this was a fantastic result and I'm scared that sometimes when we start looking at how Tottenham played in the kind of finer detail people get well why aren't you more excited why aren't you really excited about this result and it was a fantastic result a fantastic performance and I'm really happy with it but I, I do sometimes fear that people are like oh but they're not very happy Spurs won I'm we are all three of us delighted and it was an incredible result but I, I don't think this is Tottenham I don't think still don't think Tottenham are going to win the league but this is a massive kind of point step in the right direction that we we may have something here under Nuno that could be fantastic absolutely and I, I don't think we're going to win the league and I also don't think this is a blueprint for how we'll play because I, I just think we're going to have to do things differently. But there was so much promise there and the signs of good coaching. That's This is the thing. It's mm. genuinely really, really good coaching in more ways than one. Um, Nathan absolutely called it spot on with Skip being trusted in the middle of the midfield. I honestly thought Skip would play on the right of the three because I didn't think he would be trusted um, to, to sort of play that, that that role in the middle where you're going to see a lot of the ball and you're going to be required to, to start moves. He was trusted. He was given licence to, to do what he does best and he was fantastic. He was really good. A, a couple of mistakes in the first 15 minutes, but he settled down and he, he stuck to his task brilliantly. He was always showing for the ball. And that meant that Hjoibier was then playing on the right and he was able to support Tanganga and Skip with Sterling and Greedish, which is, you know, City's strongest side of the pitch. And it... It, it worked really well. And then on the other side, you've got Delhi, who, you know, there's this narrative around Delhi that he's lazy from all or nothing, from Jose Mourinho. Um, and people often mistake Mourinho's comments about Delhi being a bad trainer to what Delhi's like on the pitch. What we know is that Delhi has always been an absolutely elite presser, elite presser, you know, 99th percentile presser, um, and also has always covered huge amounts of ground on the pitch as well. And this, and he did it again. He, it was insane. Like it's the first game of the season. Where's he got that fitness from? He's he's barely played last year. He's yes, he's played pre-season, but oh my goodness, he ran nearly eleven kilometers. In fact, I think it might have been just been over eleven kilometers. And the next closest was like 0.5 kilometers lower than that. And then below, like the next closest to that was under ten kilometers. And you're like, how is he doing this? It was insane. And the thing is, Nuno's come out after the match and said, I'm looking at Delhi's skill set and he's a runner. He's a box-to-box runner and I want to be able to use him in that way. And I've had doubts about Delhi playing in midfield three, but I've now got confidence because Nuno's, he's shown me what can happen. He's made me believe. And I imagine he's done the same with Delhi. I imagine he's done the same with the team. They've got, they had this sort of resilience and self-belief about them that I've not seen for a long time. It was really, really satisfying. Um incredibly I, f- I felt so positive I feel so optimistic about Nuno um not that I think he's a world beater because I don't but I've got so much faith in him being able to sort of develop something that's it might not be miles better than some of its parts but it's at least the sum of its parts and also it's not miserable it's it's an optimistic atmosphere and environment and it feels great it feels really great um Nathan you wanted to talk Tanganga and uh, he absolutely deserves a, a large segment because he had a hell of a match. Tell us, tell us what you thought was so good about his performance. Well, it, it literally is just one we were defending. It's as simple as that. Like <clears throat> I wanted to talk like about. So we've been looking at Tomiyasu and that transfer saga has, has dragged on. Uh, meanwhile, Tanganga has turned down a loan to Galatasaray. Um, we've been linked with Milenkovic, who so the reporting has been that like Tomiyasu is seen as a right back and Milenkovic is seen as a centre back. But for me. <clears throat> 
For me, they both profile very similarly as like both as in betweeners. Uh, they've both played fullback. They've both played centre back in their career. Milenkovic plays currently or more re- most recently as a wide centre back, whereas Tomiyasu plays as a defensive right back. But that is more or less the same role in in my opinion. Um, so I do wonder if those are those are players being profiled for the same purpose. Meanwhile, Tanganga is at the club, and I just think like. I don't know if it's like if it's come from the 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 like the management and hierarchy side that's like let's loan Tanganga out and bring in someone else to do that job, or if it's come from Tanganga and Tanganga is saying I want to play centre back and if I can't play centre back at this club next season, I'd like to go on loan where I can play centre back. But I just think like between like us as a club and Tanganga as a person, and and you know credit to Mourinho, obviously we've stumbled into what I think is an absolutely outstanding defensive right back and he should embrace that role and we should embrace mm. him and we don't need to spend well, well in fact you know bring in Tommy Asu and play him as center back yeah. <laughs> right and and play Tanganga as a defensive right back and I think like down the line it'll be good to, to to give him minutes as center back but I think that his 1v1 defense is so strong He's able to get up the pitch as well. He's like he's not completely limited to just being a defensive right back. He can get up there. Um, his releasing of the ball is, is is better than I thought it would be from that position. He he should he should uh, make we and he should reconsider uh, where he's going in his career because I think defensive right back is is really good for him to shut down Sterling. And it's not even the first time he's he's performed like that against City. Um, the 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 profile that we want for that role is at the club and came through our academy and counters homegrown and is on low wages and you know so um i uh, for me tanganga is our first choice right back as long as we want to play with a defensive right if later down the line we want to change up our system change up our formation we want a more attacking right back well we do have doherty in the squad right so we can go to him or whatever but i'm i'm really happy with tanganga as long as we're going to play with a defensive right back he he can really do that i i would agree and that, mm-hmm. i say that as someone who has long been in favor of tanganga playing center back and i do think his his long term future lies at center back but we are in a sense, better stocked for centre-back. I know we don't love Dyer, we don't love Sanchez, um, but we're better stocked for centre-backs than we are right-backs. He fits the system, he fits the profile. He put in yet another brilliant performance against Raheem Sterling. Um, not the only player he's pocketed, to be honest. He's he's building a reputation now as someone that is very hard to beat, in the same way that Aaron Wan-Bissaka did for Palace and then United. You know, just really good reading of of a, what a player is going to do. Um, very tenacious, very enthusiastic, very positive, which helps. But it's just he's he he knows what the player is going to do, and he he stops it happening by sort of just moving his feet in such a quick way that yeah, you, that's you, you can't you can't get around him. He's just really it's hard to beat. I think like with most fullbacks now, like if you're mobile and you're agile, you're going to become an attacking, aggressive, uh, you know, wing back type fullback. And if you're a bit slower than that, then maybe you have to try to use your brain more and be more of a positional, you know, kind of a, a trippier defensive fullback. Um, although I guess he's sort of in between. Um, and then if you're a converted centre back, then you're like 
naturally going to be slower and therefore just sort of stick around and 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 just try to defend the box but Tanganga has come from that center back role but he has that mobility and agility to to just stay with Sterling and watch Sterling do his trick and then be there for the block afterwards yeah. and uh yeah I, I think he he has the tools to to be to what well, he already is an outstanding defensive right back and we want a defensive right back and I just it just seems to be staring us right in the face he also just seems to use the the touchline so so smartly because he knows if he if he stands the person up there's almost like a second defender as the touchline yeah that he, the winger the forward can only go one or two ways and he's just able to to cut it down I think he might struggle when it's more central when the pitch is a bit more open but I think his use of the touchline and his ability just to just to read where a player's got to go is brilliant he, he seems like a nice guy he's super athletic he he just he just got everything I think to Wan is a really good a really good comparison and um what a lovely, lovely man. And it was great for him to have his little kind of um, stand innovation as he made his way around uh, the South Stand. Mm, absolutely. And uh, I know I've mentioned it before. He's really good in the air from attacking set pieces. He was a target. Oh. Did you notice he was a target? Uh, Greg didn't Greg in our Discord also commented on it. He uh, he, he said that oh. he, he told his dad, he was like, oh, watch out for <laughs> Javit in the box. Um, he's going to do something and he didn't. But, you know, he was an obvious target, which I, I thought was interesting. It's something that obviously Nuno's picked up on pretty quickly. Um, I, I, I want to talk about Lucas. I want to talk about Lucas in a bit of detail because... I apologise. Often... You're going to apologise. Absolutely not. No, there's no apologies. <laughs> no, I mean, we shit on Lucas. We do shit on Lucas. And he was brilliant. He like, he, he, he just was brilliant. So what he did so well, I thought, um, was he he picked up on loose balls. He, he read where the ball was going to be. He picked up on it and then he just drove forward without a second's thought. And it's not even just without a second's thought. It's his agility, his athleticism allow him to spring forward at such a pace that he doesn't need to set himself, and other players do. And by the time they set themselves, he's past them. And there was yeah. one run in particular where he, he literally ran past two men and then beat a third, and there was running at two more. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy is like Adama Traore-esque. It's ridiculous. When he's having one of those games, he's unstoppable. And the, the issue we've always had with Lucas has always been his... What happens his, after Yeah, that, what happens yeah. next? His, his choice of pass, his weight of pass, his, his type of shot that he wants to take on, like drilling into legs... And what he did so well in this game was generally he picked the right option. And quite often that was turn back and pass back. And that is absolutely fine. Like, I'm very much okay with Lucas driving us forward, stopping dead, turning around and passing back. That's that's fine for me. That's a good use of Lucas. And as long as he carries on playing like this, he is totally worthy of a place in the team. Um, and I would say Bergvine on the other side had an equally impressive ball-carrying game. In fact, I think Berg, Bergvine has carried the ball the furthest of any player in the in the Premier League this weekend, which is quite remarkable, to be honest, when you've got someone like Adama on the pitch in another game. Um, that is quite staggering. He Bergvine, so I've always known he's quite fast. I've always thought he, he, he was quite sort of... Um, he's got a good acceleration out of out of tight spaces. But what I didn't notice before was when he strides, he's actually got a really long stride and he covers ground quickly as well. And he did this a few times when he carried the ball forward and he really kind of ate up the grass. And I was very impressed with um, with how well he did uh, bringing the ball forward. And the same way that Lucas did it. They, they were just 
working so well in tandem. Like if it wasn't Lucas, it was Bergwijn. If it wasn't Bergwijn, it was Lucas. And then Son was there making runs ahead of them. And it just seemed like a weatherwood machine. And that's just from a few pre-season matches. I'm looking forward to seeing what's next, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Lucas really was was fantastic in this game. Uh, and he deserves all the credit. The, the other thing that Lucas does, which really helps us in a post-pandemic world, is he gets the crowd really going for it because his, yeah. his the way he yeah. the way he plays it just inspires the crowd. And there was even a bit where you could see him shouting "coys, coys, coys." I don't know if the cameras picked it up when he was getting <laughs> the crowd to cheer more. I don't know if you saw that. No, we missed that. Yeah, but he he was there at a corner on penalty spot, looking at the south stand, saying, "Come on, come on." And uh, yeah, he does. He does have that um, that enthusiasm, which is infectious, and it, they, we picked up on it. And the same kind of thing, same kind of way as Bergvine. Although from where I sat, I thought he'd scored a second. Um, most of us were celebrating when he went through one on one against oh. Edison, and it's such a shame for him that he missed it. Yeah, yeah, the touch was so bad. Like it's such a shame because I, I did a screenshot earlier actually when I was watching it back on um, on Match of the Day, like. As he comes onto the ball, it's there. It's set up so perfectly for him to just curl it into the far post mm. with his instep, with his right foot. And instead he takes a touch which doesn't get it out of his feet and it puts him onto his left foot. He's clearly not as confident with his left foot. Um, and it kind of back, it backed him into a corner and he had one option, which was to try and find the near post with his left, chipping it over the keeper. And he just uh, misjudged it. It was such a shame. But, he, you know, to be fair, like, he did carry on. He, he didn't, his head didn't drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has done previously with Bergwijn. I think that's something we can all agree that, you know, whilst we really like him, his head has tended to drop when things haven't gone right. And that wasn't the case in this game. He was really kind of uh, positive. He carried on the momentum. Um, and yeah, he, he, he still contributed plenty after that mischance. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope that our enthusiasm is coming across because we're all kind of bursting a little bit with, with pride and excitement after this performance. It was it was really good. And do we want to talk about the centre-backs at all? Um yeah, I thought I thought they were a little bit shaky in possession, but other than that, I thought um, Sanchez, thirty-three kilometers, was his top speed during that game. Mm. I didn't realize I knew he was fast, but I didn't realize he, he's rapid. He was that fast. Um, what did Dyer get? Fifteen, sixteen? I'm not sure what his speed was, but he he was also very good. He made some great interceptions and looked pretty steady. A few wonky crossfield passes, but uh, the, the two of them they didn't look like the Dyer and Sanchez partnership of old. They looked like something new and something better. And for sure, Skip kind of slot, slotting in between the two of them helped. Definitely. Yeah, I think they, they were helped by the system in the sense that they've got plenty of cover all around them and mm. two very aggressive defenders like either side in Reginald and, um, and Tanganga. But also, I think they were, to be honest, helped a little bit by City's team selection as well. Yeah. Um, like Torres, I, I like Torres. I think Torres is a good player. He's going to probably have a good season, but he's, he's not a nine. He's just not a number nine. And... You know he was he was not really occupying them a lot, which made I think their jobs a bit easier. Um, I would say the only blot on Sanchez's copybook for me was when he lost Torres for that cross, which Torres then miscontrolled, uh, mm-hmm. which went down as a shot. Actually, interestingly, Nathan, did you know that that, that went down as a high xG chance mm-hmm. when actually Torres had miscontrolled it in the six yard box. Um, so I personally I didn't think that that should count as a shot. Was, that was interesting to me. Um, but yeah, Sanchez just was ball watching essentially in that moment, and uh, it could have been a goal quite easily. So that was, that was the only thing like that I would say wasn't so good. But he he played really well, um, and the reporting today is that he's come back from um, the summer tournament looking much more confident and assertive. And I mean, we've seen that in the 
couple of preseason games. And as I said, this this formation, this shape, uh, playing further from his own goal is is certainly helping him and Eric Dyer as well. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Did you see the video of Paratici and Hitchin on the bench getting animated? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so I like I like that they're a duo. I like that they're just like always hanging out together. Do you know what? I am so pleased for Steve Hitchin that that's the case. Like genuinely, yeah. because there was over the summer, there's been a lot of reporting about Hitchin. He's been the butt of jokes because of what he said in All or Nothing, and it's all been like tongue in cheek. But it mm. has been a little harsh, and people have been a bit mean to him, including You're us talking about times. it in an abstract way, like it's not all body. So it's on him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like all the reporting was that Hitchin is actually really competent, and that a lot of the stuff that goes wrong, I suppose, yeah. is not down to him. <laughs> and when Paratici came in, people were like, well. Hitchens essentially been demoted, but he seems re- he seems to be really happy, and that I'm pl- I'm pleased for him. I hope I hope they get on really well, and that he's found a partner in crime that he can work with and and build something with. Um, and it was funny to see them um enthusiastic on the bench. Mm. Although I did I did <laughs> I did think if I were like part of a coaching team, I'd be a bit annoyed if other people were trying to way. give directions to <laughs> my players, <laughs> yeah. and, like stop trying to have tactical insight. <laughs> this, this is my job. This is my one job. <laughs> Yeah. Leave me be. It did look like two businessmen who have shares in a in a racehorse <laughs> going yeah. going down to the stables, telling the jockey and the trainer what to do. It's just like just just do the money bit, mate, and, and leave the rest to the the workers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Fair Lumbo said, "How did we do such a good job of getting players in and mm. around the areas the second balls were coming to after we played long?" <laughs> And I think that's a good point. Like we, there were a lot of long balls, and they were often run by one by um, by Ruben Diaz. Um, so, what do we do right, Nathan, in terms of getting on the end of them? Passion. It's all about passion. <laughs> because I've got to say, Alex from Bristol, who who has become a patron, because I think he's trying to broaden his knowledge and his insight that he brings to the <laughs> to the wonderful fight. He's going to love that. He's yeah. going to love that, mate. He um, he got quite upset with us when we were talking about second balls and and tempo. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Because we we kind of dismiss passion and uh, tenacity as as something which is just part of pass or tactics. But what you saw with this team was you saw passion and drive and determination, but also coupled with a good uh, tactical plan of 
enabling players to get around the ball. So that's where mm. it is. You need drive, obviously, but that drive comes from the tactics from your manager being able to convince you that run around a bit because this is why. Yeah, I mean, if those front three weren't so narrow, they wouldn't have gotten in the second balls even with even with double the passion. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of yes, the passion certainly helps once once they're there. Like once they're in position, um, be, being like really up for it and and on the front foot is definitely helpful. But you've got to be there first, right? Yeah. Lucas could have the Tottenham crest tattooed on his face, but he doesn't win half as many second balls if Delhi and Hoivier aren't pushing up to support mm. the winning of second balls in that area. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, yeah. I, of, of course, of course, of course, fashion and design mean a lot because you have to like go for the area that you know you're going to lose, and you have to yeah. cover the distance and 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 you know put your body on the line, all those kind of things. Um, but the equal component of that is is players in areas with roles, and that is that's what we saw. Mm. Uh, this was an interesting question, Nathan from Chame the Great. He says, "How do you see Lacelso fitting into all of this? He came on as first sub, but rather late on. Will he rotate with Delhi?" Bergvine or Skip, his ball progression early in the match may have been helpful. Mm, yeah, so he came on the left, which was bizarre. Um, and then I think he did move over to the right, although I'm not certain of that, after uh, Doherty came on for Tanganga and then there was more right-sided whip and then we moved to a back three. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing with Lacelso is obviously like he can play as a winger role or he can play as a number eight role. And I do think that like for the next few weeks, we're going to see Skip and Hoybier in the team together. Um, yeah. It doesn't really matter which way round. Very much, I don't think. I pref- I think I prefer Skip as the deeper one, but it's it's not it's not too much either way. Um, but I think that once we sort of settled into the season, then it's time to start making the the deeper of the two eights um, a more attacking selection. For me, obviously, I want that to be in Dombele, but that seems like not that's not going to be the case, <laughs> maybe ever or at least for a while. Um, so I do think that that is something else can do. Um, just one Copper America playing in a in a four three three. Um, yeah, uh, or off the right. Um, but I think that um, I think that Nuno sees Lucelso as someone who can't provide width on the right, and he wants, especially at least when like um, at least when Tanganga or a defensive right back is taking that role, he needs someone who will go outside his man, and Lucelso will just almost never go outside his man mm. from the right hand mm. side. Mm. Um, and so he's a bit of a tactical misfit for that role. I don't think the left is any better for him. Obviously, he can go outside more easily on that, but that's not his game, like a sort of a, a left foot crossing game. So it's a slightly awkward one for him, but um, I think that like the talent is there that he can find a way in regardless. And um, I don't think that the deeper of the central midfielder roles is is too much for him defensively, at least when he's he's sort of up and running. Yeah, this is this is one of those where the old cliche cliche that it's a nice problem to have is absolutely sure. true. You know, having a good central midfield player who can't quite get into the team is not a bad thing. Um, and I agree. I think Skip and Huey Bier will will see lots of pitch time together in the early stages of the season. I think Delhi uh, certainly in this game was absolutely crucial for the system. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that continues to be the case. Uh, certainly in games where we're struggling to break teams down, I can see an argument for Lacelso playing instead of Delhi purely for having a better passing range from deep. But then equally, Delhi offers the the arriving in the box, which not many of our players have. So I, I personally think that um, maybe 10, sort of 8 to 10 games in, I think the Celso could become like playing Huey Bear's place, essentially, in, the, in this setup. Mm, and then Huey yeah. Bear and Skip rotate. 
and whichever yeah. plays. And that that's where I see him fitting in best. But it's a, I also think Delhi can play the have. left wing role. Mm, absolutely, especially um, with like with it being so narrow and him being a reasonable ball carrier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these are all good problems, and we've got lots of versatile players, which is really helpful. Uh, there was loads of other exciting football this weekend, and I kind of want to touch mainly on on Brentford against Arsenal. Um, it was so I, I actually thought Brentford would win uh, because I, I I don't like I don't like Arte, what Arteta is doing with Arsenal now, and the crowd made it so unbelievably hostile. It was it was brilliant. Um, like Brentford support is, is fantastic anyway, but um, it was their first game in their new stadium, first game in the Premier League, and they were so vociferous in their support of Brentford and hostile towards Arsenal. It was difficult for Arsenal to play, and they really struggled. Um, and it doesn't get much better than an opening Premier League weekend when Arsenal lose, Spurs win, mm. and Lamella scores a couple of goals for Sevilla on his debut. That is happy times. Mm. Um Nathan, anything on Arsenal that you'd like to dig, like, stick your boot in on? <laughs> uh, yeah, last season, uh, really the last 18 months, I've watched very little football that I haven't like had to watch <laughs> like professionally, right? Um, and quite a lot of of last year, like my dad would send me a text, like, "Oh, are you watching the you know the Chelsea United game?" And I'd be like, "Not too, not too worried," because sort of sort of in a bad place with with watching football for fun yeah. like i like that like watching spurs is what i do obviously that's that's a great privilege but like when i'm done at the end of the day i i don't watch it for fun and the summer obviously the um the the euros were there um but had a bit of a break from football that i kind of needed um at least whole games i watched players a lot um but coming into the season more optimistic about spurs had a bit of a break enjoyed england um and, and just being in a better place. And my dad sent me a text on, on Friday night. He said, do you want to watch the Brentford Arsenal game? And like you, I thought, yeah, I kind of fancy Brentford for this one. <laughs> and I, I sat and watched, a, uh, you know, a, a game that I didn't need to watch professionally in any way. And I really enjoyed it. And I'm feeling really good about watching football again. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. So thank you, Brentford FC, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're lots of fun to watch as well, aren't they? They're, a really yes. good pressing outfit, really well organised, really well structured, and they've got some good individual players. Tony, Tony, just he's fantastic. He's so exciting. He kind of has a bit of everything about him, but his his real strength, which we haven't seen much of yet, is uh, his ability to find space in the box and take first time yep. shots, which is really good. And uh, that's why he's in my fantasy football team. I think, I think he got the goals. assist. Do you? Yeah. I, on on my daughter's life. <laughs> yeah. I swear that it like it brushed the, his yeah. ponytail and got some cushioning. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ram says, how many points will Arsenal have at 6.30 on the 26th of September? They'll have played Chelsea, Man City, Norwich and Burnley and us. Uh, Bardi, Arsenal, how many points would they have accumulated by then? First of all, I, I, I do love it when Arsenal comes up or Ben White comes up and I've, I've been waiting I've been waiting for you to come to me, Windy, to talk to talk your favourite defender in the world. Your, your and, manager. and manager. And just to see Arsenal get undone by a long throw and it just took to waft over Ben Ben White's head was so much joy. I um couldn't get my I couldn't get my T V working and I ended up having to watch it on on a really bad stream, people just pay the subscription money and just not have to worry about stuff like this. <laughs> but um, Ben White, 
just, I just don't understand. I don't understand him. I know people love him and go on about him, but he may be a good defender, but right now he's not what Arsenal needs. And that's why he's a terrible, terrible transfer because he's, he's just not needed. But how many points will they have? They're not going to get anything out of Chelsea. They maybe get something out of City because I still don't think City are right. But in two weeks' time, De Bruyne will be starting. Stones, Walker, those guys will be back. So Arsenal aren't getting anything there. Norwich, a horrible football team. So they'll get three points there. Away to Burnley, maybe a point. So they might, they won't be in the relegation zone, but they'll be lower mid-table for sure. Oh, Five. yes. Yeah. Five points. Yeah. Inject that directly into my veins. Um, I, I don't want to defend an Arsenal player, but just to sort of uh, clarify <laughs> my stance on Ben White. I, I'm quite I do out. like Ben White. I do like Ben White. I don't, don't like him anymore now he's gone to Arsenal, but I think he's a good player. And the reason I think he's a good player is not that he's a good defender, because I think he's a, he's a bang average defender. But um, I, I think... There comes a point to where a player's value to a team, a defender's value to a team is um, heightened by their ability on the ball. And in a ball-playing team, which Arsenal want to be, they're not at the moment, but they want to be, I think having a quality ball-playing centre-back is more important to them than having a quality defender. And I think alongside Gabriel, when they're a bit set, more settled, I think he'll actually be really good. Um, but yeah, he was he was not good at all. Pablo Mari is Utter dog shit. <laughs> I don't know how he's a Premier League player. I, I don't know why. I always assumed that he was like a 22-year-old prospect, but he's 27. Yeah. He is muck. Absolute muck. Uh, and yeah, he, he it was him who um who who missed the header at the near post for the for the goal. Uh and it was like I mean that is literally a lack of desire. That's a lack of passion he showed there. <laughs> Alex would have been absolutely furious watching that. Uh, because he just didn't want he didn't want it enough. He didn't want to win that header enough. And then yeah, Ben White is not tall enough to to clear it. So yeah, he looks stupid. But yes, yeah, Arsenal hilariously so hilariously bad. Um, central midfield was hopeless. They I don't know what they're doing with their strikers. They've got their Lacazette and Aubameyang are well over the hill now and on their decline. They need to sort out what they're doing with their strikers. Uh, and it's it's absolutely wonderful to see the wheels come off. And uh, Xhaka signed a new contract today, so that's good. that's good news as well. <laughs> just just to put the icing on the cake. Who made that decision? Madness, mm. absolute madness. They they are a mess of a football club right now. Uh, I mean, the downside of that is that Arteta will get sacked, and they'll probably bring in Graham Potter, and uh, that would be really annoying. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, transfers. So we forgot, completely forgot last time to talk about Dennis Serkin leaving and going to Sunderland. Uh, and I think, Nathan, you wanted to talk about it a bit, didn't you? I wanted you to talk about it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't that disappointed with Serkin leaving just because we, cause we've got Sessignon and Regulon and Serkin just wasn't going to get into the team ahead of either of those two unless there was an injury to one of them and, you know, touch wood, that won't happen. Um, so it was the right thing, I think, for him to to head out. We should have loaned him out probably the year before last. We should have loaned him out last year. Last year he ended up having injuries, and then unfortunately his his dad passed away, which you know would affect any human being, let alone a, a very young young man. Um, and so he had a really disrupted season last year, Sirkin. But I think that was partly hampered by the kind of keep him in house attitude. I think if you keep a young player in house to learn. You have to give them some minutes. You have to make it worth their while developmentally. And, and Serkin just wasn't getting enough minutes inside. So he he did the right thing in leaving. He's pressed for this move to Sunderland. I think it's a smart 
decision from him. I think it's a smart decision from Spurs to have a buyback clause inserted. And I also hope we've got a sell-on percentage because whilst I don't necessarily think we'll sign Sirkin back, I think he will go for good money in the future and we need to be getting a bit of that. Apparently, according to, is it John of, of Lily White Rose, we have both a buyback and a sell-on. Uh, Great I think, stuff. Like we, only have, we have one or the other, right? Only If we don't activate... If we don't activate the buyback, then we get the sell-on or whatever. So, I mean, I guess it has to be that way anyway, because you can't get a percentage of your own buyback anyway. Um, so, so we do have we do have smart smart clauses there at least. Mm. Uh, what was funny is so Serkin is the guy who I said has got ridiculously big quads. Yes. Uh, the manager in the post-match interview the manager said he's got the biggest quads he's ever seen of any young player <laughs> which is really funny to me um yeah he's he's made his debut he did well apparently on debut he's a very good left back who will develop and become even better i don't think it's like the worst thing in the world for him to have left and i wish him all the very best i think more young players should make these decisions and leave probably elite clubs in search of of matches and as long as you've got a buyback clause in there as long as you've got a sell-on fee in there, you're gravy. It's all good. Oh, any thoughts on Noni Madueke while we're on it? I really like him. Yeah, he's he's good. He's very, very good. Another one, he made the right decision to leave. So, yeah. so he left before he started the scholarship. He was 15 on the cusp of 16, I think. Uh, was offered a scholarship at Spurs, left before he began his scholarship in search of first-team football and obviously made it into the PSV team at, I think, 17. Maybe even made his debut yeah. at 16, to be honest and hasn't looked back since and now he's a player that is worth probably 20 million um and rising and rising he's really really talented good player explosive player tricky player um bubbly charismatic person as well like really really likable um i hope he makes it back to the premier league because it's going to be really fun to watch so on other transfer things, the silly man, Dakota, says, should we be concerned that we still haven't really had our painful rebuild? Toby and Lamella have left, and Heel and Romero have come in, but almost all the players we expected to leave are still here. Sissoko, Winks, Aurier, Davinson and Kane all look like they were surefire to leave and be replaced, but our season starts tomorrow, so this was sent on, on, on Saturday, and they're still here. Why do we have such trouble shifting Deadwood and bringing in fresh faces? And Bardi, how concerned are you feeling that uh, the likes of Sissoko, Winks and Aurier are still knocking about? Yeah, I would would like to have sold them, but I think this is more of a reflection of the rest of Europe just being broke and no no one's got the money to to pay the kind of market value for Sissoko, etc. Letting them go on loan will probably be the only way, the only thing to do, but then it doesn't really benefit us because then in 12 months we have the same problem again of Sissoko sat on our bench and and this contract's gone. Um, I think Davinson will probably take the opportunity to to prove himself like he is doing, which is great for him. I, I do think it's the door is closed now for Sissoko and Oreo. Winks was probably Winks may have a way back in if he isn't mm. sold because he's reasonably young and he's English, so there might be something there. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I think um, like we've seen with Dyer and Sanchez in that first game against Man City, I, I think in a in a structure that suits him, I think Winks could be absolutely fine. I think Nuno could get something out of him. I don't think he's a terrible player, um, but obviously we can do better. This is the yes. thing. If you can upgrade, then you you take the chance to upgrade. And one of the players that we've been linked with, um, Bardi, is is Nahitan Nandez from Cagliari. Mm. 
Um, what's what's he like? A competitive box to box midfielder, as I understand it, is that right? I have no idea. Nathan's okay, got his hand up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so he's played a lot of box-to-box. I think he's played mainly wing-back last season, okay. but that's kind of indicative of, of who he is and what he is as a player, which is like he can do a job in various locations. He's right. kind of okay at everything. He tries really hard. He can run with and without the ball, um, but there's nothing... There's not much more to it than that, really. Okay. He's not especially technically or athletically good. Well, he's he's athletically decent. Like He has the stamina and the drive, but... Um, he like he's he he would be kind of a useful player to have in a squad in terms of like oh he can cover this position in that position, yeah. kind of like in a way like like Sissoko. I was going to say he sounds like a Sissoko replacement. That sounds kind of but ideal. Like, is it though? Mm. Yeah, is it? <laughs> right. Do we need that? I just I feel like it, while it's useful to have you know hard workers who can cover a variety of roles in your squads, you should do that with an academy player. You should you should find a homegrown cheap option. Yeah. To to be your like your hard working grafty guy because like we only have so many uh non homegrown slots. We only have so much budget. Like do we want to spend fifty million euros mm-hmm. and a ho- on, and a non homegrown slot mm-hmm. on um on something that we can we can probably cover with with maybe multiple academy players rather than an individual one, like a guy who can cover mm-hmm. wing back, a guy who can cover box to box. Um and, and put the effort in because it's just it was just a very uninspiring link to me, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's quite middle of the road, isn't it? Um, the the other player we've been strongly linked with in the past few days is Nikola Milenkovic, who plays for Fiorentina. So, second Fiorentina player we've been linked with this window, um, and his data looks absolutely incredible. I mean, if you if you look him up on fbref.com, look up Milenkovic, and it's green bars all over the shop. It's it's very very positive. Um, I've spent a bit of time today watching... Well, I started off by watching a YouTube highlight reel because I wanted to see what people thought were like his best aspects. And then I watched Area. some... Yeah, and then I watched some stuff on, on Scouts. And I'm I'm not convinced, but I'm hoping Bardi's seen a bit more of him. Um, I'm not convinced. I don't I don't see where this has come from. The kind of player that, you know, he was going to West Ham. He's a very kind of West Ham player. I don't see why we're going for him when we do have Dyer, Sanchez, Romero already at the club. It's um, it's a strange transfer. He's got a good header, and yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not excited by him to be mm. honest. And I think it's a um, perhaps it's just using it as a cover to to check out Blaovic. I'm pretty sure this is this is maybe a, a two for one deal or something we're using just to just to kind of relax the the pressures and the the kind of media reporting on on the Fiorentina striker maybe. Mm. And that that would make sense actually. Uh, it's interesting. I'm glad I'm glad that you sort of have the same conclusion because the data looks so good that you sort of almost doubt yourself when you watch him. But to me, he looks quite rash. He looks like he wants to a, a bit like Aurier. And in the video Nathan did of Aurier, it's like he wants to win every challenge. And Milenkovic to me looked like somebody who wanted to win every challenge as well. He's committing himself all over the place, and and sometimes it's successful, and often it's not. And you know, when a tall player gets beaten having committed himself, it looks really bad because mm, the turning circle gangling, is, yeah, yeah, the turning circle's bad and they're slow to get back in position. And he just looked like that to me. It didn't look great. And I didn't like his his uh, positioning. He seemed to sort of be out of kilter with the rest of the defensive line quite often. Um, and it just didn't seem much to get excited about. But Nathan, you you um you seem fairly enthusiastic about this link. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty high on him. I think he's good. Um, I, I especially think like because the price being talked about him um is probably half his market value, ah, and that okay. makes him an attractive yeah. point to me. So the, like yeah, I think that 
if the concern is rashness, and that's not something that's crossed my mind hugely, but if there is a concern of rashness, then like he cannot play alongside Romero because then yeah. there's no one to defend the box at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. But but independent of that, um, I, 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 just the idea of buying like um a sort of a top six worthy centre back for 15 million euros is just attractive to me as as a baseline. And and he's really good in the air, and we've missed centre backs who are really good in the air that's true. at this club. That is true. Yeah, um, I don't know. Is he rash? He's 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 sort of okay with the ball at, mm. at his feet. Um, he does turn fairly well. You know, he turns well for his height. He's a Dan um, Burn type, isn't he? He's a Dan Burns type. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. Um, rash, yeah, I don't know. I I I, I want to go away and, and look about look into sort of into rashness. He does he does tend to play as, as a wide centre back in a three, which means it's a more True. traditionally aggressive role. But um. Yeah, I want to watch more. I, I, I want to watch an individual, just a game, oh, a full game of him before I can sort of make a, a fair conclusion. Because I've just been essentially watching clips of his one v one defending and his positioning, which is not always the best way to draw conclusions. But he, to me, I, I didn't. So you know, sometimes when you watch a centre back and you just feel like they're in control of the, every situation. Mm. I got that all the time with Peak out of Veraldi. Just always sort of. Mm. He knew what was happening. He could see a defender out of the touch line, or he he would make a tackle at the right moment and just get a foot in. And he knew when to back off and just try and block a shot. I don't get that at all with Milenkovic when I watch him. He seems much. He seems panicky to me. He seems like, oh god, there's someone running at me. What do I do? I need to do something. Is I'm a defender. My job's to to defend. I've got to do something right now. And I don't like that. It's uh, it makes me feel nervous watching him. To be honest. <laughs> Um, I quite like this question from Dan Voodoo Chopsticks, who says, do you reckon this result could have a positive effect on the transfer window for Spurs? Players on the fence about coming may be slightly more eager to come after we've just beaten the champions, a bit less doom and gloom around the club, some belief in the project being pitch. Uh, and I, I think there's potentially some truth in that, that sort of, it's it's all well and good to say, yeah, we've got a new manager who's got a, a, a new project, but unless you actually get some points on the board early, uh, it's kind of hard to sort of justify that. But we're beating the champions, Bardi. Do you think that changes things a bit in the mind of incoming players? Um, I don't think it. I don't think it does. Well, had we got pumped by Manchester City, then it would have been this is the end of the era for Tottenham. This, there's only <laughs> there's only one way down because that's how people do these takes when everything happens. In the same way that I don't think us beating City means we're going to win the league. Had we lost, I don't think it would have changed our kind of targets for the season. Um, had had. Whether, would it make Lautaro Martinez more keen to join Tottenham? I don't think so. I think the problem with Tottenham when we're looking at Paul Torres, um, Lautaro Martinez, is the fact that we don't have Champions League and they were going to have, they're going to have to slum it in the Conference League for a season. I think that's the biggest sticking point. How about you, Nathan? Yeah, I, I, maybe a tiny, a tiny, uh, like if you're on the fence then it might be like, oh, okay, there's something going on there. Mm. But I don't know if they're on the fence in the first place. Um, I think putting an extra 5k a week on the <laughs> on the contract offer is more persuasive yeah, than the sure. to be honest. That's true. Money, Nathan, what's your read on the, Nathan, what's your read on the Kane situation at the moment? Uh, I It seems to me, from the reporting, that like City are going to go for the the sort of the auction technique of like gazumping late the 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 last second uh, surprisingly large bid that Spurs will simply have no choice but to accept and I think that while they might meet our you know if they go for the 150 or the 160 or whatever and and that's sort of our valuation um I think it's going to be too late 
I think it's going to be unless like unless what we're doing is we're setting up to be like um, like we've got Pau Torres and uh, Latoro Martinez like ready there to be signed in a 24 hour uh, window if we get the money through. But other than that situation, like we can't accept 160 million at the end of the window and then try to spend it in a couple of weeks or a week. So I think even if City come in with a huge, huge bid now, it's probably too late in the window for us. Again, unless we've like, unless we know that it's coming and therefore we've prepared around it and we have everything, all of the, like the domino pieces ready to fall. Mm. Um, I, I don't, I don't see it happening. It's the domino, isn't it? That's that's exactly it. So we know that Lautaro Martinez is having contract negotiations. I presume that is a sort of if you don't move, you'll get a, a double your money contract. Yeah. Um, we also know that that Vlajevic is in uh, pe- people, other people. Other clubs want Vlajevic, so we've got competition for him, which makes things difficult. Like it seems like he's our backup for Martinez, but maybe we want both. I've got a feeling that the Kane deal's all but done, and that we're just waiting for a breakthrough on the Martinez transfer. Because be. what we don't want is Kane's deal to be done first, suddenly, suddenly, and to say we want an extra twenty million of your yeah. Kane funds. So I think they're sort of set, trying to sell it as a come in and partner Kane, but actually he isn't a partner; he's a replacement. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you could sell that to a, a professional footballer that you're going to come and play alongside um, Harry Kane. Then the day he arrives, Harry Kane's packing his boxes and leaving. I think. That well, was... I think. Like, I think they would have told him. I think they'd have had to have told him actually mm. you're a player because this is part of my argument that I don't think Martinez at this stage of his career would come and play second fiddle to Harry no. Kane like that. And, and I don't think. I think you're right, buddy. I think it would be a struggle to justify him playing up alongside him when we've clearly played four three three all preseason and have. A squad that suits four three three quite well and not four four two quite so much, um. So like that that feeds into my argument, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. It's um, it seems like things are going to go down to the wire and it's going to be quite a stressful last couple of weeks of the transfer window for Spurs fans. Uh, I wanted to get your take before we before we wrap up on the on the refereeing this weekend. Um, Nathan sort of mentioned it at the start, so we know there's been some changes to to VAR, and I think like. They've been universally seen as positive changes, and I certainly have appreciated them. But also, like referees are are much less uh, whistle happy. So it was interesting in the in the Spurs City game, we saw Tanganga get a warning about the number of fouls he'd made. He made another foul, and rather than book him, the referee called Hugo Lloris over as captain to sort of tell Tanganga cut it out, no more fouls, and he still didn't get booked. So, uh, and I found that really fascinating. I, I was a bit like, what's next? He's going to send a letter home to his mum and tell him that he must behave. <laughs> Are we going to be grounded? Um, what did you th- What did you guys think of um, the refereeing this weekend? Uh, I mean, as someone is in the crowd, you get kind of wrapped up in the fact that the referee's against you. And when, <laughs> when it's, just, it's just what happens. That's the narrative that builds and everything that the referee gives them is wrong and everything. Yeah, the referee never wins, basically. But... <clears throat> I, I just thought it was bad refereeing. I thought it, I didn't think it was. I didn't think he was applying the same rules to both teams. I thought City were getting away with a lot of fouls, and I thought we weren't. And I, I think it's just a frustrating thing of Jack Grealish, the most fouled player in the world, just just doesn't do anything other than get fouled. I think that's <laughs> just what happens. It builds frustration in opposition fans. Um, I didn't take away from it anything different. I hadn't realised how many times Tanganga walloped people, to be honest. I, I, I thought he was just timing his tackles perfectly and the referee was being a dickhead, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and Nathan, what about VAR? Were you happy with the 
the sort of subtle changes and how they've been implemented so far? Uh, you didn't really feel its presence, which is yes, probably what people want, I guess. Yes. In terms of the refereeing changes, uh, it's uh, I mean. Obviously, it's warped for us because we've watched one game in which we beat the defending champions by clattering them off the pitch. <laughs> so, it right now, <laughs> right now, it feels like the best thing that's ever happened. Um, but like, I don't know, why? <laughs> why are fouls considered fouls? Like, I think the the, the like the root underneath this is like the protection of players. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like whereas right now it's like. There's more flow to the game. It's less stop-start. Um, you'd like to see robust challenges. I wonder if, like, in a few months' time, when, like, loads of players are out with, like, shredded ankles, we're going, hang on a second. <laughs> Maybe, like, you shouldn't just, like, clatter a player and trap their foot under the ball and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's... Um, I wonder how to what extent and how fair it is to say that it is like prioritizing entertainment over like um or over safety but also over like um like um like pure sporting merit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because it's like if i <laughs> if i'm the attacker and i knock the ball around you and then you step across my path but not that bad and you only lightly hip check me and it throws me off balance and it's not enough to shove me on the deck but it's enough to prevent me from getting to the ball in time before the next defender. If that's a legal challenge and we say that this is part of the physical game, then that's just how it is. But does that necessarily produce the best sport? Um, I don't know. It's 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 um it's kind of a big can of worms to to be getting into right now. It's like hooray, tackling is back. <laughs> um, uh, I, I I have a small amount of concern for like player safety, but I guess we'll see where we are with that in a in a few months' time. I think it's a really good point, Nathan. There's there's got to be a, a line. There's got to be a cutoff. Um, and what I, the other point is, we're playing City here with the masters of tactical fouling. We know that they yeah. when, when teams get on top of them, they break up play with tactical fouling. And I absolutely don't want to see referees be more lenient when it comes to cynical fouling they need to in fact they need to stamp that out more because it's it's already like they're already too lenient towards that city frequently like make multiple multiple fouls but because they're tiny little fouls and different players are doing them they kind of get away with it and it's that's not really fair that's not the purpose of sport um so yeah i'm intrigued to see where it goes but it was it was different. It was really different this weekend, and notably different, and uh, and that was quite surprising. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, one last thing before we do sign off, I want to talk a little bit about the Europa Conference League. We we're not going to we're not going to talk about Pacos de Ferreira because we don't know much about them, other than the fact that they did a really funny banter video <laughs> about Spurs, uh, and everyone should watch that. It's on. Uh, we we retweeted it. Um, but I do want to talk about squad. Uh, so there's been quite a lot of um, takes on the fact that Serge Aurier and Tongi and Dombele are not in the Europa Conference League squad for these two games. And this is the point. It's just for these two games. Um, and uh, I felt quite sad about the fact that Ndombele was not in the squad when I first heard about it because I was thinking this is a great chance for him to build fitness in these two games like just play him 180 minutes on the Thursdays and hopefully he'll essentially use it as his pre-season and, and be fine but um, now I've reflected on it I think it's it makes complete sense he's not match fit we've got to beat this team who are not a bad Portuguese team. I think they were fifth last season in Portugal. Um, we need to make sure we get through the playoff to qualify. We can't be having players who are not match fit playing in that game, especially in, in the middle of midfield. 
Uh, and also Nuno seems to me to be, um, sorry, I'm just going to say it, much, much more aware than Jose Mourinho of sports science um, and also willing to sort of work with fitness coaches and, and our fitness staff, our physios. Uh, and protect players from long-term injury. So, like, if he's doing that with Ndombele, if Ndombele has come back, for whatever reason, he's not right, and by playing him, he risks pulling something, it is completely the right thing to not involve him until he's completely ready to step foot on the pitch. Um, but it's, it is interesting, and it's certainly a talking point. And Nathan, were you as disappointed as I was when Ndombele wasn't named in the squad? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> We can still register him later. Um, yes, yeah. Like after the window closes and it's only like this preliminary round against Pajos and he's not going to play. Uh, but it's just like, so who's the, the young right back um, who's been, he's, he's Pascocci. in the, Pascocci's in it and Ndombele isn't and I think that that is kind of damning, you know. Um, but Pascocci's had a full pre-season. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's simply fitness and this whole thing is completely, you know, we're all getting paranoid and upset over uh, you know, a minor fitness issue and you put on a bit of a bit of dad weight and he just needs, you know, some time to to get sharp or whatever, but um it's unpleasant. The thing is it's like um f- for the last 2 years Whenever like we've had problems in our build up and Ndombele hasn't played, it's been like, well, here's this guy who like is the maybe the best in the world at getting the ball from deep areas into attacking areas would be really cool to see him. <laughs> and then like through preseason, um, in this particular game, and I think to an extent just generally with Nuno because of the way that he plays long from deep areas, um, we will we will miss him a little less. Mm. We uh, and 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 it won't be quite as frustrating. So I'm not that frustrated because the window is still open because fitness is still building for several players, not just him. Um, because we beat Sissy. <laughs> yeah. um, but I really. But even though like even though I think we need him a little less. I think we also benefit from him potentially enormously. Yeah. Um, because if he's the one making those zipped passes into attack as as the uh, taking Hoybier's role, um, then they're really good passes. <laughs> and I like really good passes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of um, keeping my mind open on the Indombele situation. Basically, I don't want to like dish out the hot takes until the window's closed. Yeah, I think that's it. Let's not catastrophize until it's really necessary. Um, Buddy, I, I know you're sort of a little bit more pessimistic about the Ndombele situation. Do you, do you sort of feel like this is the beginning of the end for him? Yeah, I, I think so. It's a shame, but I think it is. Um, he's been there all summer and we've got to a point now where he's not ready for the pre-season, uh, for the start of the season. I think something's happening there and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him moved on, but then I wouldn't be surprised to see him stay because I don't think anyone could afford him. It's a, it's a complicated situation we find ourselves in with him. He's a fantastically talented footballer who just, we and him, we just can't seem to get it right and can't seem to find a rhythm between us. Lovely stuff. So this has been a long podcast. What you're going to hear now is is our friend Tim's band, Big Bad. Enjoy. This is right Try not to see you 
my dreams at night. Your photograph won't give me vertigo. Feel my man, I love. 